0: Radio shouting. Said he did you Cut up the station It's about that time for feel Most likely he a small fry If he was step by beehive It's one in one station Only they got the streets on fire So please do not touch the dial
1: Cause we film go Live, live
0: What's happening, what's happening, what's happening? of course, you know, it's your boy Beehive Radio shouting, Stepping in the building. I got some hip-hop legends in this thing. Talib Kweli and DJ Diamond D. What's good with it, fam? What's up? What's How you good? feeling, Beehive? I mean, feeling good, feeling great. Now, I mean, I'ma just start it off on the top. Diamond D, digging in the crates. Right. I mean, being a super producer and artist at the same time, can you talk... You know,
1: t- it's funny when you said DJ Diamond D. Uh-huh. I started off as a DJ, but I haven't heard the Monica DJ in front of my <laughs> name in years. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know I mean? But, yeah, um, it's been a while for me, man. You know, um, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm a member of Digging in the Crates. That's right. You know, and um, that was Fat Joe, of course. Lord of Finesse, Showbiz and A.G., O.C., um, Buckwild, mm-hmm. and and... Um, you no, know, um, it's just a lot. You know, I don't, I don't really want to go all the way, <laughs> all the way back. But yeah, I've been doing it for a minute. But I'm here to talk about the new album I got with my man right here, Talib Kweli. Let's One get it of straight. The best lyricist in the game. oh you, <laughs> you know?
0: fellas, first of all, talk to me about how y'all came together, though, man. I mean, what was it that made y'all say, you know what, fellas, it's time to go ahead and get together, start this new project? Had y'all already worked together previously? Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. was? The uh, tipping point that made y'all do a whole project.
2: Um, well, I'm smiling under this mask because of that compliment from from the OG right here. You know they yeah. can't see that, but um, but I mean I've been working with Diamond since before my career started. We we uh, developed a relationship um, when I was just really trying to get on, mm-hmm. and Diamond has always been gracious, and he's always been somebody as a hip hop fan that I've been a, a fan of that I know as an architect, and um, whenever he's does a new project, he's always reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. So I feel honored to be a part of one of the artists that Diamond always reaches out to. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have to show People's Party where I interview people up on yeah. up, up Rock's video. Yeah. And so before we had Diamond come in for an interview, he sent me a bunch of tracks. Ooh. And um I just wanted to show him the love and the respect for the fact that he even still sent me tracks like that. So I was like, I'm gonna surprise him. I'm, re- I'm gonna record to all of them. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? And I got him on a Friday. I record, I got like 10 tracks on Friday. I think I recorded to eight of them by Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just, you know, uh, uh, ideas. It mm. wasn't, they weren't all fleshed out songs, but I was yeah. like, let me just get something down in every track. Mm. And when I listened back before I played it for him, I'm like, well, this sound like it could be an album. This sound like the seed or the genesis genesis of an album. Yeah. So just in that time space, in that time period, it was a very quick process. Mm-hmm. We decided to try to do a record together. And um, we re- we were really on, track to release it last year mm. but we had covid we had the pandemic everybody's priorities got shifted up a little bit yeah so we had to pull back and um and then we, we just found a way to do
0: it this year exactly how did covid affect y'all's creative process
1: man other than not being able to um, go into the studio the way we were going to the studio prior to covid it didn't really affect me yeah, because basically um most producers um are typically uh I don't want to say loners, but but most producers are typically they stayed themselves anyway in and, and, and they make beats whether it's in the studio or in the house. So the idea of being in the house, you know, was really not a big deal to um to producers. Um didn't really uh, it didn't really affect the creativity but no beat. The only thing it really affected, like I said, was just there was no more big congregations and studios. Yeah. You know and I mean, other than that, create, create creatively, not for me.
2: And for me, I mean, I'm always prolific in the studio, but as well as on the road. So mm-hmm. once the roots took the Jimmy Fallon gig, I became the most torn rapper. I was doing <laughs> over 200 shows a year, every year for 20 years. What? Yeah, and I didn't, really, I didn't understand the impact that that had on my body on my mind yeah. because it became second nature to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was really on the road that whole time. And when COVID happened in March, it was the first time in 20 years that I was in one place for more than two, three months at a time. Ooh. Like I really, that's the first time I was in one place for more than a month. <laughs> and so for me, it completely, I had to, it, it radicalized and revolutionized every single way that I moved. Yeah. Um, And so, I'm glad I am glad I had the project with Diamond coming. I'm glad I had the, the podcast People's Party. The first thing I did, the, the theme song to People's Party is a record I did with Boots Riley back in the day. And I was never able to get with Boots to do a video and release it. And yeah. so the first thing I did was me and Boots filmed ourselves on our iPhones. Because we remember that time last March, no one knew what was gonna happen.
0: Exactly. You know what
2: I'm saying? I didn't want to be a room with a room with anybody. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs>
0: no, I feel you. I, I was
2: just on my iPhone by myself, yeah. being creative, doing I started doing IG lives and took the lead, took, followed the lead of D nice yeah. and other DJs. And and I'm not I'm a celebrity DJ. is a real DJ. You know what I'm saying? I'm a celebrity DJ. You know what I'm saying? Like like, I, people come to hear my selection and to see what yeah. I'm into, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But I, I gotta give it up to the DJs like like D-Nice and Kid Capri and DJ MOS and other people who I yeah. follow, Maceo, who mm-hmm. took that 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 IG space and that Twitch space yeah, and tasha made it into Diggs. something, Natasha did, yeah. yeah what they've done tasha. with Soul on the Horn um, mm-hmm. is just amazing.
0: So, now, were you based out of New York doing COVID?
2: I was in LA, so I was, uh, I was staying at, like, small beach hotels uh-huh. along the coast. I did that for like two three months and then i went to um i was i was i was out there doing it uh, i was by myself though i was wow, that was right? a, that was a strange time because that was the first time in my life in my adult life that i spent that much time alone that's about right. that much time away from family that i spent that much time off stage right. you know yeah. luckily in la you could still get weed delivery because weed <laughs> delivery and alcohol delivery that was that was considered essential items in la at that You're damn time right. for real it was it was i couldn't get sunscreen <laughs> But I could get weed, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but then Dave Chappelle started doing shows in his hometown of Ohio, yeah. Yellow Springs, Ohio. And so I was able to catch a flight out there. Dave had like a jet going back and forth bringing entertainers from LA. So I was able to catch a flight out of Yellow Springs in July. yeah. And that's kind of where I've been since then. Mm-hmm. The first, you know, I was really in Ohio the whole time and Diamond took a couple of trips up to Yellow Springs and rocked out with us this summer. Mm. So we were able to reconnect this summer Uh, courtesy of mr chappelle
0: what was the vibes in the studio though fellas when y'all were finally able to reconnect and get in there and just turn it all the way up
2: i mean we started out separate Mm. him in atlanta me in new york that's right um but then diamond made a trip i believe this time last year around january last year to new york Uh and we was we got we we hung out we went to uh you know did some like old there's a party you know what i'm saying like we got by that time i had recorded most of it yeah so we got right. in the studio together to go over the mix uh-huh. and um we spent some a couple of days in the studio doing that and that was a good time and that's how we got busted on the album because we happened to be working upstairs when he was working downstairs mm-hmm. um so he he came and just listened and he was like i gotta be a part of it." shout on. out sky zoo and uh, nico is and and Naira all day and john forte And Buster rhymes and everybody else who worked on this with us Mm -hmm. and
0: Uh, young afro
2: Yeah, shout out to young afro yes indeed
0: let's just talk about longevity though fellas because i mean y'all are still operating on a high level after 20 years of being able to do this stuff man so how do you feel still having a fan base that's receiving y'all strongly to this day as well as staying down and continuing to keep your legacy growing
2: um i just feel real blessed um when i came in this game had a certain idea of you know, what I wanted my sound to sound like and everything. And then like like many artists, and I don't know, Diamond, you could speak to this if you went through the same thing as a as a producer and as a as a rapper, but I went through a phase in which I felt like I established myself as the underground as an underground rapper. People knew my sound and everything and I started to experiment. Mm-hmm. Started to do records with other type of people because as a creative you wanna You wanna grow. You wanna grow, especially if you start making money from it. Yeah. You start you start using those resources to make other and sometimes the fans don't aren't always ready to go with you on that journey. Mm. And so I think if you stay in it long enough, yeah, you get to come back. And you get to be like, you know what? Okay, I tried that. That worked there Yeah. and got me a new fan base there. Yeah. That didn't work so much there. Let me pull back from that, you know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> and so- Trial and error.
2: That's right. And so I'm, I'm blessed that in this age, I'm not a young person. I'm in my forties. Yeah. And so for me to still be relevant for me, I just we, I just did uh, Jimmy Fallon this week. I'm doing Beehive Show right now. Hey. You know what I'm saying? We just shot a video last night with Sky like, Zoo. Um, you know, for the, for the project. Shout out to Staly and Big Crit and Saarock yeah. and everybody, Corey Mo, and everybody who came through. <laughs> All the fam, You, know you the had family. the fam in that everybody. You know, Soul Messiah, Dread yeah. the Beatnik. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, you know, these for 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 us to these are people that I've known my whole career. I mean, Crit is younger than us, you know what I'm saying? But Corey Moe, Cyrox, when I first was coming to Atlanta, Apache Cafe back in the day before my career, um, when they used to have the, uh, I don't remember what it was called but Chocolate Soul something something. <laughs> you know how y'all get down in Atlanta
1: You know how the black conscious
2: community get down in Atlanta <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know what I saying? The Patrick Cafe yeah. When
2: I used to come down to check out my man Rubik's And, and DJ Tr- uh, Drama When he was yep. still Tyree from Philly back yeah, then. Yeah. You know I, mean? I remember Drez the Beatnik Beatnik was there hosting these parties and diamond yeah. invited him i was like who invited dress to Nick? but I, I was like it don't matter who invited him he gonna be there anyway exactly you know what I mean? exactly and so i just feel blessed that at this stage i can now for my fans or for myself say i you know okay i'm good at a certain style of hip-hop yeah i'm good at the hip-hop that i grew up on i can reach out to diamond d an architect of that sound yeah and we could do a project you know what i'm saying
0: Now, Talib, as a true fighter, man, somebody that's always stood up for black people going through stuff. 2020 was not only the year of COVID-19, but -hmm. it was a revolution that was taking place in 2020 as well, you know, with George Floyd and the riots that took Mm -hmm. place down here in Atlanta and across the world. What was going through your mind at that time? And you as well, Diamond.
2: Um, We have a record on our project, Gotham, the name of the album's Gotham, called uh, Chillin' While Black.
0: Come on now. All
2: right. And Diamond's rapping on that record as well.
0: All right now, Diamond. All right, so
2: on the mic. <laughs> All
1: right, I,
2: was, I was listening to that record this morning and there's a line when I say I mentioned the year. Mm. Because we recorded it you know, at the start of 2020. Yeah. We recorded it before George Floyd That's right. And I say I mentioned the year, and I'm like, you know the rule, you're not supposed to say the year on the record. Yeah. Because it dates the record. And I'm like, damn, why did I do that? Yeah. Why that cuz I know that rule. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know you're not supposed to date the record. Right. But yeah. I did it anyway. At, because at, at that time we was we was moving at such a fast clip. Yeah, I thought the record was about to drop. Right, mm. But right, right, right. who knows what's right. in the future. COVID Thanks. happened. And so now I'm listening to the record a year later I'm like, "Why did I say 2020?" But then I was like, "You know what?" i must have said it for a reason things happen because they're supposed to happen that's
1: right so it's a symbolic year it's a simple symbi- oh, that what was you that just year. said exactly. what you just
2: said yeah i was like this is why because that record captures a a, a place in time on that record i'm not talking about george floyd because that didn't happen yet i'm not talking about Breonna taylor ahmaud arbery i'm not talking about any of that on that oh, record we're talking about Tamir Rice, right. we, talk about, prior to yeah, exactly. we talk about Kill Yeah, exactly. We talking about Sandra Bland. We talk about Mike people. Brown. Yeah. We talk about Freddie Gray on this record. Yeah, and so it's like, this is one of the things that I hate to be right about. Yeah, I hate to be early on this. I'd rather be yeah. wrong. I'd rather make a record like that, and they'd be like, Quali was tripping."
0: Exactly. You know what
2: I'm saying? But the fact is, is that we can make this record now, and I can make the proud uh, 20 years ago, and Public Enemy can make fight the power 20 years before that. Exactly. And Ozzy Brothers can, can, can make fight the power 20 years before exactly. that. Exactly. And it's, it, it's, it's
1: still, yeah, it's, it, it'll still resonate. That's
2: right. And so the job of socially conscious artists and social activism and justice is not. It's not it's not a destination where it's like we are done. Mm. We're not going to see the end of racism and, and and bigotry and police abuse in our in our lifetime. We're not going to see it. Yeah. The the key is to make it better for the people who got to live through it by by telling these stories.
0: How do you all feel when when was it that you came to that conclusion that this shit ain't going to never change?
2: For me it was as a very young man. Yeah. You know, for me it was, you know, in high school. You know what? It was in high school. There was during the the Bush, the first Bush invasion mm-hmm. of Iraq, right? Yeah. And I was maybe 14 or 15, and it was a very upsetting to me at that time mm-hmm. because I couldn't understand why we would do this. Exactly. Um, I didn't. I didn't quite understand the scope of American imperialism,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and so I was the school I was in. There was a teacher agree with me, and the teacher said I'm gonna lead a protest. And I was going to school in Connecticut at the time, mm. and we went to the to Hartford, I believe, to the state capital to protest the, the invasion of Iraq. Yeah. And it was like the teacher and like five students and we were out there in the cold and no one cared. People kept driving past us you know what i'm saying no one no one, no one. and i remember thinking I, would, I had in my brain the activism and the marches of the 60s were romanticized yeah i was really into that as a kid i would watch movies and read stuff yeah. about the 60s and i wish i was a part of that yeah and so i wanted to have that in my life and in the early 90s it wasn't like that so i was happy when i saw the green revolution in the middle east which yeah. sparked occupy wall street which yeah. sparked black lives matter protests yeah. and when i see this generation that's taking protest and not passive Protests, you know what I'm saying? But really, like Protesting. in the spirit of, of people look at Dr. King as passive, but Dr. King and people in Atlanta aggressive. should know that Dr. King was shutting down highways, exactly. shutting down stores on holidays. Exactly.
0: You know what I'm saying? There's
2: not passive about that. Mm-mm. And so when I see people like Black Lives Matter and other people um, take up this thing, this this type of uh, uh, tactic, I'm like they just right there in the tradition. Yeah, you know. Of course, we need our Malcolm X's and our our anti-fascists and other people who are willing to maybe not be as passive to balance it out. Because, yeah. like the Malcolm X character said in the Selma movie, they want to deal with you yeah. talking to King because they don't want to have to deal with me.
0: Yeah. Well, y'all able to, you know step into some of these protests in 2020 because I know me personally, I had to go ahead and slide out here, down here in Atlanta and see mm-hmm. what the hell was going on. And to my chagrin and to, some, and to my surprise, there were more white people protesting for black lives than black people protesting for black lives. I, I'm talking about straight down Marietta Street right outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was, that was a beautiful thing to see. You know, it was one nation under a groove trying to move the culture forward at the same time. But that was a surprising thing to me to actually witness that. Younger people. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. it was younger people, too. Young, yeah, yeah. Young people. Okay.
1: They don't have the hang-ups that their parents had. Exactly. You know, a lot of of young people, a lot of young young white people, they they love hip-hop. Exactly. You can't love hip-hop and hate black people. Those are big old no, so facts, yeah, right there. Yeah, it, it it definitely was a, a lot more white people, um, protesting, especially in twenty twenty. Exactly. No, definitely. I saw that when
0: y'all saw that energy. Did that impact the creative process at all?
2: I mean, we recorded most of this before those protests. Okay, but right. it did uh, impact the way in which we wanted to release it. I mean, and as far as like white people, for me, for this twenty twenty, um. Uh, the George Floyd protests the Breonna Taylor protest, stuff like that. Again, I was separated from my family, and my community, yeah. and I would see my daughter on Instagram in them streets in Brooklyn, protesting, and she, you know, this is my 21 year old daughter, yeah. and I. The first thing I was thinking is like, where's your mask? You know what <laughs> oh, I'm mean? saying? y'all, how y'all out there without the mask? And me and her, you know, me and her have had conversations, and she's yep. a lot more uh, cognizant. Of the COVID yep. and and being in in super spreader situations, exactly, which she should not be doing. You know what I'm saying? But yep. how could I criticize her for wanting to be out there in that time in that in that in that in this era? A- at her age, I probably would have been doing the same thing. Exactly. I mean, she's still my daughter. You know what I'm saying? As far as on the ground protesting, I was out a lot more in 2016 mm-hmm. around the Mike Brown. I went to Ferguson a lot. I was definitely out a lot uh, in Occupy Wall Street era. Yep. I was out. And what I've noticed, Ferguson,
1: that, that, that that's where you and Don Lemon got into it, it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, Briefly. yeah. Shout out to Don Lemon. Yeah, shout out to Don Lemon. <laughs> we so, got we so watched good, People's
2: man. Party episode with Don Lemon. We we we, we, we 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 talked about that and passed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember that. I remember that. But um, what I noticed is, this protest being pro-black is about equality. Yeah. Being pro-white is about you a Nazi or KKK, and that's the difference. And so. Anybody of any race could be pro-black. Yeah. So when you see people in the streets pro uh, protesting pro-black, it's not a tribalist thing. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's just for black people. This is for people who believe in equality. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, black, white, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, atheist, mm-hmm. whatever. As long as you're down for this pro-blackness, as long as you're down for this equality, then we can get it in. And when you when you go to the front lines, like you said, yep. to a lot of people's surprise, you see communities, you see religious, like you see maybe Catholics down yeah. there, mm-hmm. you see, a, you see a, a large amount of of queer people, yeah. and gay people, because yeah. in a lot of ways they they um they meet all the criteria. They catch in hell too. They yeah. meet all the criteria because they catch it, especially <laughs> black women who are gay. Yeah, they they are already a woman. Yeah. they black and they gay, and that's why you see sometimes it looks disproportionate. Yeah, and the, the women who started Black Lives Matter, they they fit all those three three mm. things. So those things are used. From from the powers that be, and for people who just don't get it, to smear them,
3: exactly. they be like,
2: "Oh, well, they trying to destroy the family, or they they gay and this and that, and that and this." And it's like the people who say that, yeah, you have your right to your opinion, but I don't see y'all down there.
3: Come on, I don't now. see y'all
2: doing anything for the community. I don't see y'all doing any work. And I'm saying this as a straight black man.
0: Exactly. You know now
2: I see straight black males there. Yeah. We are there, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But it's not like it's not like we are, we are there because we know that even when the sisters and the gay people and all these people sometimes take the lead, you know what I'm saying, yeah. that we stand in solidarity with them. You know what I'm saying? Back in the 60s, it was the straight black men who took the lead. Yeah. It was the Malcolm X's and the Martin Luther King's. That's right. And I have no problem with our, mo- our movement for liberation and our black agenda being more diverse.
0: That's right. So now I want to get back to the music, though, fellas, mm-hmm. making timeless music, music that's still getting played to this day, you know, finding it on TV shows, finding it in movies and stuff like that, and just in regular soundtracks to our lives. Mm-hmm. How do y'all feel being able to create that kind of music that, that stands the test of time? Because at the end of the day, y'all been in the industry the whole time. You had some peers then that ain't peers now, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So how do y'all feel still being able to do what you do? And what were the songs that made you feel like, this shit gonna last forever.
1: Hmm. Uh, uh, and career-wise, or on or on this album specifically.
0: Career-wise.
1: Uh, wow. Um,
2: I mean, I know for shit. I well, mean, like the, just <laughs> to get by. <barred. laughs> I was about to answer for Diamond. He answered for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me. Um, <clears throat> first of all, stunts, blunts, and hip hop, mm-hmm. and that's still not really
1: available everywhere, right? I mean, but you know what? It's not under Diamond D. So if, it's if, under you, Diamond if you're on Apple is, Music or whatever, whatever search engine mm-hmm. engine you're on, um, you got to put Diamond in the psychotic it's, neurotics. Psychotic mm. neurotics, People yeah. Look for Diamond D and they go, yo, it's not. And they on get yet. the
2: hatred, passion, infidelity, and the dime pieces, right. but that don't pop up. See, that album to me is a cornerstone of hip hop. Yeah. And that doesn't discount what my brother has done since then. Yeah. Just like him saying Get By doesn't discount what I've done since Get By. Exactly. exactly. But that stunts, blunts hip hop for me. Um, the density of it
3: mm-hmm.
0: the amount
2: of tracks that were on it yeah the fact that he was the best producer on the mic he was rhyming better as a producer better than most rappers was rhyming the skits with fat man scoop on them the, the yeah. lunchroom shit, it's like my whole my whole style was and I, don't, I apologize for cursing on your platform say what you feel <laughs> okay, my, so. my whole uh my whole uh style of rap comes from the lunchroom mm. you know what I'm saying? so it just you know
1: it resonated
2: it does and I, when i was i was listening to it recently and i'm like Damn, we were all so young, cause you had a. D- I was looking at you like you were already on TV, this and that. But you still rapping about young people's stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. You rap it about being in the lunchroom. Y'all making silly right. juvenile jokes. Right. You rap about large professor number on your dressing. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like it's like that's what I was doing. I would also leave people number on my dressing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think I think pre cell phone. right? Yeah, pre cell phone. We had a, a beeper. you know, low cell and all <laughs> that. Four one one and nine one one on the beeper. Yeah. But um. The style of music Diamond D is an architect of. Mm-hmm. Um, that music is undeniable. Me, like I said, I'm a celebrity DJ. So, you know, five, six years ago, or even to, to this day before COVID, I was doing, I'd get booked for big big parties and be DJing and stuff. And I when, e, when EDM was cracking, I learned, there was a couple of EDM songs that I learned so I could, if I had to play, I would be in that I play, you yeah. know, and I love, I love, I love playing down South hip hop. Yeah. I surprise people with my knowledge yeah. of down south hip-hop. Yeah. They'd be like, how do know all that? So I love that. You got to love- know how to get the party started. Yeah, I, I love whatever, whatever room you're in. Exactly. You know so so- I, I learned that skill. But what I noticed from traveling the world uh-huh. is that one thing that will never, ever, ever go out of style, one thing you could play at every single party mm-hmm. is a certain era of East Coast hip-hop whether Ooh. it be even if it's underground I'm talking about stuff that went platinum yeah like uh, uh, Black, Sheep, Black and, Sheep and DOS Effects, and Cypress yeah. and all that all that early 90s stuff that yeah. went platinum but we re- re- because changed that was underground it though sound. that was
0: yeah. it at that time in hip hop, that's what everybody was getting, and I mean, I don't want to say it incorrectly, but it was force fed. It was like, mm-hmm. first of all, the other cultures hadn't really evolved yet to make yeah. that kind of hip hop, so that's all we had was yeah. that kind of stuff. So I
2: guess that's why we all would not come on in the party. Exactly. It's like if you play House of Pain, jump around. You know what I'm saying? You know, y'all know it. You know, or you play, you know, <laughs> you know, Annie Up by M.O.P., yeah. which a little
0: later, yeah. remember, still falls but still force. We in all the- know it.
1: Yeah certain anthems
0: so now when you talk about working with a young kanye what was that like and did you see him going on to be one of the greatest of all time in his own right as well
2: um well i I will say first of all i'm very happy to report Mm -hmm. and i can't stress this enough that kanye as as dumb as his support for trump was that he has rescinded that (laughs) publicly and he's he still has some ideas and things he says that i find Kooky, and that I I don't agree with. But the one thing that was a a line in the sand for me Mm -hmm. was the Trump support. Mm -hmm. And as long as he supported Trump, I was like, yo, I can't rock with you. So I like the fact that he's rescinded his support for Trump. I can't stress that enough. It allows me to listen to his music differently. It allows (laughs) me to talk about him with a smile on my face. You know what I'm saying? Um, I always knew Kanye was going to blow up. Um, when I brought Kanye on the tour with me, and he thanks me for that on his first album. Mm. I didn't bring him on tour with me because I was doing him a favor. Yeah. I got a lot of friends who rap who I could be doing favors for. I brought him on the tour with me because he made my show look dope. Ooh. he made my show better. Yeah. it wasn't because they knew who he was. They like didn't just, know who he, be he was. Being on stage yep. with you or
1: whatever.
2: Yeah, like Kanye, he would come around in the sessions, mm. and he he had the beats was crazy. Like the, okay. you know, yeah. this is the era when he was doing like the truth with Beanie Siegel. You know, what I'm saying like okay, around yeah, that time, and yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. we hadn't even worked together, and I'm like, these beats you coming with, the yeah, yeah. Ace to the Izzo and the, 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 the Blueprint stuff, and I'm just like, you know, and I, as, a, as a fan of the coach I knew what it was. I was like, right. he he breaking the rules. Yeah, you know he taking Dilla drums and. Hot tech drums and diamond drums and showbiz drums. And he's putting samples. We all know what the sample is. Exactly. That's Michael Jackson. We all know that's Michael Jackson. Yeah. And that was like the, we <laughs> what digging in the crates for me was about, yeah. it was about <laughs> finding obscure things and knowing exactly. where you get this from. That's the whole thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Kanye won on a certain level because he ignored some of those rules and it appealed to people's pop sensibilities. Facts. It, it, was, it, was, it was like a shortcut. Mm. It's like, we already know this music.
0: So... As we were just saying, you know, Kanye was sampling hit records and making it do what it was supposed to. When is there going to be a time where the music and hip hop from the 90s gets sampled and brought into the 2020s? Because I'm not understanding So much good ass music was made in hip hop from 90 to 99, and I'm not hearing it being recycled. It's time for that. I I
2: think it is, though. I mean, I think the people who are successful, truly successful, Mm -hmm. it's because they reach back to the past. Yeah. I don't think you can truly be successful. I mean, I just heard recently Megan Thee Stallion just dropped an album. Yeah. And somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like she's rapping over some hip hop classics on this new record.
0: With Travis Scott, he did redo that Goody Mob sale therapy as well oh, on I his heard that. album. That's crazy. That was hard when he that's did crazy. that, and I was. But that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about that I've been waiting to see because I think a it's lot happening. Of, yeah, yeah. I
2: think it's. I think it's. And then when you think about, you know, for me, when I when I think about people like Anderson, Pack, Kendrick, mm-hmm. Recipes, Mac Miller. Yeah. You know, when I think about, you know, Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Um, I think about people like that, like. Those people were the people that are really moving the culture forward. Yeah. There's a lot of other artists who do, do platinum and do billions of streams and everything, and you got to respect mm-hmm. their hustle and their game. Um, but a lot of that stuff is disposable, made on assembly line. The people they don't. These are people. Those are the people who can only perform in a hot nightclub if they have a hit record. That's right. And those ain't the people that move the culture forward. The people move the culture forward are the people who could perform in a theater whether they got a hit record or not.
0: Facts. Facts. Diamond working with Fat Joe. Mm-hmm. Talk about y'all chemistry and the collaborations that y'all did, man.
1: Oh man, um, yeah, when Fat Joe first started, um, I produced his first album and I produced, I think, two or three songs on his second album. But, you know, we we all from the same projects. Okay. And actually, um uh, Fat Joe, he noticed what me and Lord Finesse were doing. Mm. And, you know, he you know, one day he pulled me aside. He's like, you know, y'all, you know, y'all guys are like, you know, really, really doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you know, I want you know, I want to get in the music business, but I didn't take Joe seriously. He wasn't in the music business. <laughs> like, well, I'm not no, but, no, but Joe was in the hip hop, right? You know, he was like, you no, he was at all the jams, mm-hmm. you know, doing graffiti and everything, you know, hanging with his peoples and all that. So uh, said you
2: said he was to break dance.
1: He, he was a pop lock. <laughs> if you can believe that, I to see Joe pop lock. Like <laughs> Facts. We all did. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, Joe, you know he. You said you wanted to do the music. Mm-hmm. So I told Joe, look, you know, you pay for your sessions. Don't worry about me. Just pay for your own sessions and you know, we'll get busy. Yeah. And that led to us doing them at the time. Um, we, we did some promos. Red Alert had a radio show on um, Kiss FM back then. Think Red Alert yeah. lived down here, right? Yeah, he did. He, he used to actually work at the station with me right. too, That's back right. in the day. That's yeah, right. he was yeah, up he here was working. Here. So, yeah, So um, we started off doing promos for Red and Red played them and they just got popular. They were like mini records. Mm. And that eventually led to me introducing Chris Lighty to Fat Joe. Chris mm-hmm. Lighty was managing me at the time. Yeah. And he's managing Tribe Core Quest, um, Buster Rhymes. There was a number of us. And um, one thing led to another. And once we recorded Flow Joe, then um, everything just took off from there.
0: What is it like when y'all start out from these humble beginnings and then you start to see this massive success happening? Did y'all feel like this was something that was gonna happen and this was just a byproduct of the hustle and the grind? Or did it turn out to be something more than you ever expected?
1: A little bit of both because, you know, we, we, we all wanted to be successful mm-hmm. and, you know, and, but also be true to ourselves. Yeah. you Know what I mean? So, um, definitely. Know, it was definitely, it's definitely rewarding to see something that um you made from nothing mm-hmm. turn into something. You know, mm-hmm. Whatever your job is, if it's making records or DJing or if you're um, a sculptor or a painter, Yeah. You know, whenever you can make something out of nothing and it's received on a high level, that's always been gratifying. Exactly.
0: Talia, when you find yourself in the middle of the Serengeti, man.
1: <laughs> What's going through your mind,
0: damn, That's where hip hop then took you. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know about that Serengeti
2: trip. Break it down. I'm here for that. <laughs> that
1: Serengeti—that's where Lion King happened
2: at. <laughs> yeah. I ran in December for real. Like I seen lions and, and out there and everything, <laughs> yeah. rhinoceroses and everything. I went out. I went out there with uh, uh, Justin Timberlake, Cameron Diaz, and Jimmy Fallon. My God. Um, which is which she Cameron Diaz at a sh- TV show called Trippin and she would do like environmental activism in yeah. the world, um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting for that experience. We went to the to the gong rock where they say that music was first started. Wow. They say that's a place in in Africa where they first started banging on a rock and hearing the different sounds and everything. And um, I went with the crew from MTV and Jimmy and Cameron and Justin. I was the only black person there, and so I remember thinking. As much as I appreciate the environmental <laughs> activism and we gotta save the animals, yeah, but we gotta talk to the people
0: too. Yeah, that's you know, true. We in Africa,
2: yeah, sometimes our white brothers and sisters uh uh get think the animals are so cuddly and want to save the environment, but forget about the, the people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, but that's shout out, the people. Yeah, 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 shout out to cool, Pete. Right, shout out to Cameron. You know, because I think she's I think she's a real one. Yeah. but you know when you when you're at that level of fame, yeah, um, sometimes you need uh and you need to. Ha- surround yourself with people who can be like, let's not forget about this part. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. And um and yeah, that was fun. But um f- for me to be the I was the hip hop representative okay. on that trip. And I felt proud to be able to represent hip-hop. And I've been able to go back to Africa um with black people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> go to other places. Uh, you know I've been able to go to to uh to 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 uh uh Kenya yep. to South Africa. I've been to South Africa a lot. Um, it just feels beautiful on the Reflection Eternal album, the song called Africa Dream. Mm. And the last lyric of the song is, uh, by the by, the time you hear this, I'll be basking in African sun. Ooh. And I didn't make it to Africa until about 10 years after that lyric. Wow. But hip hop took me there.
0: What was it like when you touched down in Africa? And I mean, did you feel like it changed you forever once you touched down over there?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I would encourage everyone who has the privilege, yeah every black person, every person of any race, to particularly black people to go back to Africa. Exactly. There is a, a movement right now that's largely, the, the, the founders of the movement are based in Atlanta, and I'm not gonna give them no press on your show because <laughs> I have too much respect for your show. <laughs> okay. But it's a very anti-immigrant, sort of mm. nativist movement. Yeah. And sometimes people, not just people in the South, but people where we from too in New York, yeah, uh, feel like, Immigrants coming into this country make it harder for already, already marginalized people mm. to get jobs and access. And the thing is about resources, first of all, we have enough resources for everybody. Yep. We don't need to have any homeless
0: people. Facts.
2: But equality is not a pie. Yep. You know, Just because some people get a slice don't mean you're not getting your slice. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's it's enough equality to go around for everybody. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, um, That's the truth. And there's this nativist movement is trying to get people to say that we are really Americans, black people, to say that we are really Americans and that we have no actual connection with Africa. Yeah. And while I'm not against anyone who wants to be a proud American, yeah. I'm not I'm not against anyone who wants to be a patriot. I'm not for the military, but I don't judge nobody who wants to go and fight for their country. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that we are not supposed to be connected with Africa, that's mm. ass backwards. And that's, that's you doing yeah. the work of your master. Yep. And these, these these people say that. They are for reparations. And the reason why I know that's cap mm-hmm. is because the only reason we deserve reparations is because our connection with Africa. Yep. The only reason we deserve reparations is because we are kidnapped Africans. If we were not kidnapped Africans, then slavery would still would be OK. Yeah, You know, like it's like it's like that's 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 what makes the Africa part is the whole game. Exactly.
0: You know I mean? That's the exactly. whole hokey pokey.
2: You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Now, I got to ask y'all about another prolific songwriter that both of y'all worked with, man. KRS-One. What was it like vibing with him, and what kind of jewels did y'all share with each other?
2: Um, KRS, born in Brooklyn, raised in the Bronx, Mm. represented the Bronx and Brooklyn very well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, made iconic jams. Um, KRS is, I consider him my hip-hop mentor. Mm. As far as a lyricist and a writer, before I met him, I considered him a mentor. And then I worked with him on a song called Perfect Beat. Um, I, I worked with him again with Bucks, on the Buckshot album with Knife Wonder. But Perfect Beat is on my album. Um, we did a video. We toured together. I toured with KRS through the South. Mm. And I never, rem- I never forget, because he's my OG, he, he would sometimes want to go on before me. Mm. And I, I'm not a bigger artist than Karis. Once I'm like, why are you going on before me? He's like, and he was always trying to light a fire under my ass. Mm. He would go on before me and then he would come off stage and be like, let me see what you do.
1: Ooh. Top that. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. And so, pushing setting that bar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: And um, he wrote a book when, before I, st- I came out as a rapper. He wrote a book called The, the Science of Rap. Mm-hmm. And in this book, he gave, gave me a jewel that I will never forget to this day. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if you were rapping to make money, Stop! Ooh, because what you're doing is tainting the culture. Yeah, you're ultimately going to make decisions based on being a capitalist money. and based on being being about that money mm-hmm. that are going to distract you from your goal as
1: an artist. Exactly. that are going to
2: taint the art and make the art fake and not real. That's right. And I lived by that when mm-hmm. I read that.
1: Damn it. Um I worked on an al- I worked on Chris's first self-titled album, KRS-One. Um, I produced three songs on there. I, I I like Chris' energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, good energy, um, good weed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, it, you know, Chris, you know, Karras, Wayne, definitely. Yes, you know, I'm he, Iz he Emin. Got a, he, got a, he got a good vibe about him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, you know, he go on the booth, he, 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 he spits, you know, he lays his rhymes down quick. Um, I just like his energy. And like I said, you know, I, I, I produced a few joints for Chris. And um, mm-hmm. you know he was definitely uh, somebody that that I was listening to when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, being from this when he made South Bronx and you know we yeah. all living in the South Bronx. that yeah. was like the anthem. You mm. <laughs> no, could yeah, they they could do no wrong back then. Exactly. And yeah, Brooklyn
2: was on his good side on that record, so we was rolling.
1: Yeah, we was just like, yeah we,
2: we keep on taking it. We wrote we were there. We were the Bronx. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Talib, can you speak on your relationship with Dave Chappelle? Being on his show three times, spitting the game. What was that like, and how did y'all link up?
2: Uh, Dave is one of my favorite people. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of my best friends. Um, I consider myself a general mm. in my circle. Yeah. You know, I'm the son of my universe, mm-hmm. everything revolves around me. But in Dave Chappelle world, <laughs> I'm a soldier. <laughs> That's how I see it. He the general. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not like that about most people. You know what I'm saying? But Chappelle get that respect from me. Yeah, Because what he's done as my friend and what he's done as an icon is so revolutionary. Mm. Not just with Chappelle's show, but with uh, Block Party. And the fact that he's always included artists like myself in everything he's doing every step of the way. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. Dave Chappelle could be doing shows with Jay-Z and Drake, and he could do shows with anybody. He could be with Mick Jagger. Yeah. He told me a story the other day about partying at Mick Jagger's house. It's like, you could have anybody you want, but you have roots Mm. and common and me and most deaf like and that's just so authentic um god bless him uh for what he did this summer in yellow springs he provided a safe safe and healthy experience covid free experience social distance where he was spending hundreds of thousands of his own money Mm. to get entire towns of people tested so that we could come out and at no profit so you know people see him he had covid a couple weeks ago Mm. and he's over it now and people Wanted saw saw pictures of him online, pictures of him partying and everything. And yeah, he party with his friends who they all get tested. Exactly. And I ain't just talk about the the regular rapid test because we do that, but we also do the PCR test too. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes a rapid test is not not efficient.
0: No, the one um, where they go up in your brain.
3: Yeah,
2: we do all, we do we do all of it. My God. And so um, <laughs> I just man, he's just. He's he's about to make some big announcements Ooh. that I wish I could share, but I Ooh. can't because it's his business to tell.
0: That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. But it's
2: about to be a very exciting year.
0: Talk to me about being on that show back then. Did you feel like that that show that he was putting together was gonna go down as you know comic comedic genius and classic stuff?
2: Um, I did not know that the world would appreciate it the way that I did. Uh. Um, I met Dave Chappelle uh, so many different. I met him so many different times, but um, we first connected for real. When he was while well, i was working at electric lady with high tech and he was walking down the street with his uh then, studio in new york yeah yeah see. yeah okay Le- legendary studio jimmy jimmy hendrix built it mm. When that day when i was working there common was working on b on on floor two with, with Jay dilla the root uh quest love and d'angelo working on voodoo downstairs in the basement pino Palladino and 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 uh and jay's poison me and high tech were upstairs working on Reflection Eternal. Yeah. So when you hear Gil Scott Heron on the Reflection Eternal album because he came through the studio. We hear Lennox Lewis. He came through the studio. But when you hear Nelson Mandela, he didn't come. That's Dave Chappelle doing Nelson Mandela impersonation. <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? <laughs> so when I invited Dave Chappelle, I was like, he's like, I'm not going to do a drop as myself. I'm going to do a drop as uh as Nelson Mandela and yeah. all these other characters. And Dave came through damn near every day. Damn. We were working on that Reflection Eternal album. So he was a part of that process for that album. But he wasn't famous. Mm. Half Bake was out. And um Half Bake was like a documentary of my life. What? You know what I'm saying? If you yeah. seen Half Bake, that's how I was living. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, yo. That's that's what I be doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly. <laughs> I got two roommates like this because I was going to college at NYU at a certain yeah. time. It's like I got two roommates that are potheads. Yeah, we go to the bodegas. We hang out at Washington Square Park. We 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 get in touch with with nefarious characters like Samson that we shouldn't be hanging out with. <laughs> all that type of all that type right. of shit. So, Dave is you know he's the revolutionary. He's one of the greatest artists. Um, he is he is the best comedian, and I say that because the best comedians alive look at him as the GOAT.
0: Exactly. When we speak of another GOAT, when you and Jay-Z had to uh, exchange friendly fire, what was <laughs> that like? Because, I mean, there wasn't no real deep jabs going on, oh, yeah, but it was, was just a little something-something. I don't
2: think it was a jab at all. I remember when I told Jay-Z, I said, when you said that about me, mm-hmm. um, my stock went up.
0: Come on now.
2: And he said that's why I said it.
0: That's love,
2: you man. <laughs> yeah, like I started like I'll be honest with you. When Jay-Z said my name, he made it so that for you to be a dope rapper, mm. you have to say my name.
0: Come on now.
2: And so since Jay-Z has said it, 2 Chains, Kendrick, <laughs> Westside Gun, Conway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh name him. It, a rapper that's nice with the lyrics Come on. got a bar about Talib Kwali. You know, because because they and we all look at Hove as a standard bearer. Exactly. So when he said he's listening to me in common, people was like, "What?" Well, I remember that year, it was uh, people be like, it was it was popular to say that. Yeah people would say that not knowing my catalog. Ooh. They just know that you're supposed to like Talib Kwali. Exactly.
0: So that's, that's, Hove said we weren't button-ups, we weren't buttons. Exactly. <laughs> you know exactly. When you look at Jay and the trajectory of his career as well, how do you feel when you see those peers coming out of Brooklyn being able to make it, do what it's supposed to? And did his talent seem extraordinary compared to everybody else's at the time?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was um I was an early avid Jay Z supporter. I couldn't actually understand what people were missing. Ooh. Um, when dead presidents drop, I'm not I'm not a hustler like that. Yeah. And so some of the hustler references. And some of that hustle swagger and stuff like that it didn't appeal to me as a young young man. Mm-hmm. So when Dead Presidents dropped, I, I appreciated the fact that Tunka rap. Yeah. But I wasn't into the, the jewelry and the cars. That wasn't my, my vibe. Yeah. I didn't understand Jay Z's vision on Dead Presidents alone.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Somehow I got my hand on Reasonable Doubt. Whew. And um, Dead Presidents is my least favorite song of Reasonable Doubt.
0: Come on now.
2: But that album. I understand why he went to, went to war over that album. Yeah, I understand why he's like, no, no, no. I just need, I just need my reasonable <laughs> doubt. Y'all can have everything else. I get it. The production on it, um, the rhymes, the 22 twos, and yeah. Maria Davis and all that type of, all that little, yeah. all that little stuff. I was like, because I was in the, yeah. in the clubs. Yeah, yeah, I was in the clubs. Yeah, so I understood. What Maria Davis represented, mm. I understood what 22 twos was. I yep. understood what the evils was. Mm. I understood what what Can I Live was when I first heard it. I understood mm. what I was, I was feeling it. I understood what I was listening to. And Jay Z wasn't cracking like that in the mm. streets. He was people weren't listening to him like that. That's and I right. was like, Yo, y'all not y'all not hearing this jazz man? <laughs> what jazz man be doing? You know what I'm saying? And he was on the radio with a, the Mary J. Blige record. Yeah, which. That record is a good record, but to me, it was still a radio record. Yeah. So they didn't really get it. Um, and then he came out. What's the one? What's the one after that? After the 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 uh, Blueprint. I mean, not the Blueprint. The uh, uh, Reasonable Doubt. Whatever his second album was, it was a lot more slick and a lot more pop. Mm. And so people who had missed that, people yeah. missed Reasonable Doubt, but then he got all these mainstream fans with the second album. Yeah. And so then the hip hop community was like Jay Z, Wack. But it's like, had you studied what he was doing Reasonable Doubt, you would never say that. Exactly. So when he was able to start bringing that energy back around the Blueprint Era,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: hip hop fans were like, oh, okay, I get it now. I got, I liked it the whole time.
0: Exactly. I,
2: of course, I didn't like the record with Babyface and certain other records, you know? But <laughs> shout out to Babyface, who's an Atlanta classic, yeah, by the way. Come on I now. just didn't like his record exactly. with Jay-Z. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Diamond <laughs> D, Southern Player, Listed Cadillac Music, Remix, man. Yes, sir. How did that come
1: about? Oh man, um, Chris Lighty, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Chris Lighty, um, he had um, set that up. But I remember um, at the time L.A. Reid's brother, I, bl- I believe his brother's name is Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian was a, a vice president over at LaFace Records and um, Brian had reached out to uh, uh, maybe three, about three producers and um, I think, you no know, obviously mine's the one that made the cut but I was on that list. Yeah. Um, so you no know, shouts out to Chris Lighty for that. Also, um, Brian also he um he plugged me up to do the remix to Creep mm. back in the days, and I actually did it, but they didn't they paid me for it, but they, did, they didn't release it. They wound up um releasing um someone else's mix. Has it ever come um,
2: out? Hmm? Has it ever come out?
1: Whenever it never came out you should
2: put it out bro yeah in 2021 I got, I got, you can do it nobody gonna be mad either yeah. come on so
1: you know yeah but uh definitely shouts out to everybody over there Shouts out to big boy and um Dre. No doubt. when it
0: comes to those studio vibes who are the most talented people that y'all got around in that studio and you said okay now this guy's getting busy in here
2: uh for me it's a diamond d of course but i have to shout out dungeon family mm. you know rico wade uh ray um, yeah. You know when I did hip hop for respect, uh, recipes of Amadou Diallo, me and Most Def got forty one MCs together. Yeah. We had a uh, and the, the lead yeah the lead That's single it. was Coogee Rap, Rod Diggers, Forty Thieves, Common, De La Soul, Farrell. Yes, sir. Organized Noise produced that beat. Mm. And the reason Organized Noise produced that beat is I mean Outcast at that time was huge. Yeah. Dungeon Family, uh, Dungeon Family was huge. Uh, Goody Mob was out. He yeah. was in New York looking at it like man this is, them boys could rap. Them boys yeah. got that, got beats, and um they reached out. They reached out. Rico Wade, in particular, reached out. He was like, "I want to be a part of this. <laughs> you need to let us produce it." Yeah. Um, we flew down to Atlanta. I went to the to the dungeon. Yeah. In the dirt, in the red dirt,
0: you know what I'm saying? <laughs>
2: Where Andre said on he the sad. new "Goody Mob" album, he said, "You lay down and go to sleep. You wake up because someone done lit one up." Yeah. You know that that vibe.
0: Exactly. And
2: uh, I think Future was in the studio back then. He was yep. a teenager. My God. Um, but watching watching them work. Watching Jermaine Dupree work for me as well. Um, Jermaine Dupree flew me to Atlanta. He had an artist named Fundisha who had remixed. She did a a song that they had used the blast beat for, Mm. high tech. And I did a a verse on it. I'm not even sure if that ever even came out. Mm -hmm. But the way in which he recorded me in the booth, I was able to see up close, oh, this is the talent.
3: Mm -hmm. Because a
2: lot of people with producers like Jermaine um, and Diddy and people who are more like look like executive producers who not not necessarily pushing the buttons or sampling like some other yeah. producers. People don't understand what the talent is and when when he was able to vocally produce me in the booth and get a, get a certain performance out of yeah. me. I'm like, oh, this is what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, diamond. Yeah.
1: Same question. Yes, sir. <laughs> um. Producers, producers. All right. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, producers that, that I look up to.
0: Well, um, that you were in the studio with and mm-hmm. you felt the vibe with them and you was like, okay, I understand why you the truth. Mm. Um
1: Wow, I mean I, I, I well, I would say the bomb squad. Mm. Um I never really been in the studio with them, but uh, you know, Hank Shockley, he came to my house one day. Uh, he was he was uh he was I think he was vice president over at MCA. This is around the time when he had the young black teenagers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, people like the Bomb Squad, you know, they definitely pushed me. Um, it's a lot. 45 King, of course. Q Tip, J Dilla, mm-hmm. you know, um, Pete Rock. Uh,
0: what about the Fugees? Because you brought home the Granny. They're not producers.
1: Talk to I, me. I, I'm just naming producers. Uh huh. Yeah, we can get on the Fuji's. Um. Yeah, Wyclef, he approached me. Yeah. He said, "Hey, Dime. You know, I, I, I loved your first album. I'm a fan of your music. You know. Um. We're doing another album. At first, I wasn't really, really. I didn't really get it. The whole live band thing. Mm. And they were coming off of their first album, which 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 was a flop. But they had that one single. Um,
2: that our Salam Remy remix.
1: Yes, what's his name is uh, Mona Lisa? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fujila, <laughs> right. Uh, so that kind of saved them. Yeah. yeah, and it was
2: really the Slam Remy because the first version didn't go; it right. didn't go into Slam. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Yeah. So make a long story short, uh, he approached me. We went in the studio. We laid, we laid, we laid the, we laid the um, songs down. Um, but none of us knew it was going to be as big as it was. Yeah, you know, it was it was basically a roll of a dice. Mm-hmm. That that was their last shot. But a Sony, you know, at Sony I cut the Sony I cut them another check. So we made the album and um I don't know, it's like by the by the grace of God, uh killing me soft, just took off. Mm. Um it wasn't even a single yet. I think radio station just started playing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um shouts out to the Fujis, And um you know, I want to we 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 want we want um best rap album for that year. That's right. And um you know, that was definitely um, an imprint on my resume, a high imprint up there.
0: When y'all speak on the grace of God, at what points in your career do you feel like God stepped in and took y'all to another level where you realized that it was out of your control?
2: For me, um, you know, my version of, of, of God, to me, regardless of what your religion is, even if you're atheists, um, there's a connection that we have with the earth and with other human beings um, you know when the trees put out we we, we breathe around more trees because we get oxygen exactly. and then we breathe out the carbon dioxide which the trees take in There's exactly. a whole cycle, cycle. That's right. you know and so whatever you whatever you call that yeah. that's god to me you know what <laughs> yeah. i'm mean? okay. um, saying and so for me it's really when i was working out in kiru books and uh i was rapping and i had been starting to make a name for myself lyricist lounge little underground things i was throwing little open mics here and there um my girlfriend at the time got pregnant mm. with my son imani fela yeah who's now an incredible musician
0: okay now and
2: um it went from i want to rap to i have to rap
3: mm.
2: it went from this is something i really 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 would like to do like now, nah, this got to work this has got to work now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or else I got to stop and I ain't got a job. never. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, you talk about through the grace of God, it's just for me having, having children. Mm-hmm. And my son, Amani, my daughter, Diani, and my new son, Justice, um, I do it for them. Mm-hmm. And that's what motivates me. Um, and I think keeps me on the right track. I, I try not to do anything that I can't do in front of my, my children.
3: That's
0: right.
2: Or that I can't. My children would not be proud of
0: how do y'all feel like the money and the fame impacts young black men and just young artists in general coming into the game, coming from not having much to having a whole lot of something or thinking you're supposed to have something and not receiving that at the same time? Mentally, how do you you know navigate those waters and what is it that you think is some of the biggest misconceptions about it all?
2: I think that money money is uh, the elephant in the room mm. when it comes to hip-hop because so much early hip-hop, was about overcoming circumstances, overcoming poverty, getting out of the hood, getting out of ghetto. But the way that people were were vocalizing that wasn't in an academic manner. Yeah. It was like busy B writing his name and and money on the bed. Yeah. And it's like rappers with the big chains and putting your name on the graffiti on the wall for getting fame. Any way to get fame. That's right. Um you know it's like um I was talking I was talking to somebody last night about my my interview with Fifty Cent and Ja Rule. Um I mean, not 50 Cent, my interview with Ja Rule, ja Rule yeah. where I was talking about 50 Cent <laughs> yeah. in the interview, and um, I was talking about how I had to research, in order for me to do the interview, I had to go back and really, really, even though I was around for some of it, to research really where that beef started, well, who said what, so I could be on point. Exactly. So I could get the honest answers. Getting real. You, know, you don't want nobody to feel pissed off, <laughs> you don't want nobody to feel like slighted by the way you ask a question. Exactly. You have an interview, you know it.
0: I fear you. Let me
2: read what everybody said. Yeah. I read all the interviews, <laughs> what, what Herb say? what did Fifty say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what I realized was there was a lot of decisions made on both parts that I wouldn't have made because of my upbringing. Yeah. But if you raise in a way that 50 and to a, a, a certain degree Ja Rule was raised, yeah. some of the decisions you make are informed by your environment. Like 50 in particular, his parents are drug dealers. I think his mom got shot or, or died. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, And it's like he, the environment he came from, he was taught to take it. Yeah. So to take it. So even the things that 50 did that I'm like, I wouldn't have did that.
3: Yeah.
2: I don't judge, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, he comes from this environment that said that that's okay. Exactly. That said that's the way to do it. And so that's why the money's always in the room.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um but um I interviewed Master P recently, that's coming out a couple of weeks. Ooh. And he said uh he said, I never chase money, I chase knowledge.
0: Come on now.
2: You know what I'm saying? If you focus on the money, Quincy Jones. That interview he did with Esquire last year yeah. when he said that that uh, he was talking about, I know who killed John F. Kennedy, and I used to date <laughs> Trump's daughter. That was a he wild interview. He told it
3: interview. all. Yeah, that he
0: told wild, it all. That was a wild interview. Yeah, that was all right. like the damn chain. That was a wild interview. Yeah.
2: Like he said, he apologized for it. I found out through back channels that his daughters made him apologize. He didn't really
0: want to apologize. Damn. <laughs> because he had that age. You know, what you said is what you get. Come on, let him live.
2: But he said- he said in that interview, and taking it back to what you are saying about God, and I don't want to get too uh, religious. We could get spiritual, but I don't yes. want to get too religious. <laughs> <laughs> he said, when you start talking about money, God walks out of the room. Oh, and that was the best thing I read in that interview. And I'm like Quincy Jones to say that he know what you talking about.
0: Exactly, exactly. And you
2: could, if you are an atheist, you can replace God with integrity or you know spirituality or you know if you're not an atheist, if you you know you could replace it whatever whatever God or that concept of goodness and graciousness and grace and and humility and yeah. everything that's good in the world. Exactly. All of that walks out the room when you start focusing on the money.
0: Those are facts. Diamond D, Too yeah. Short, Can't Stay Away, Jermaine Dupree, and oh, Jay-Z. Wow. How did that happen, man?
1: Man, um... I like this interview. You know your, you know your <laughs> shit. Too Short reached out to me. Um, He flew me down to Atlanta. I laid the track down. And then, um... I guess at some point, short was like, Yo, you know, I want to. Um, well, at that time, he he told me he was gonna get Jay on the track, but I hadn't heard the vocals yet. Mm. So then, when I heard, it, I was like, Okay, yeah, this this, this is a banger right here. <laughs> um, and then I think, um, at some point b- before the song got mixed, mm-hmm. Jermaine, Jermaine Dupree came into it, he did the hook. And I think he uh, he added some type of um, instrumentation to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, but it's crazy how that how that, how, that, how that song came about. Actually, short just you know he, he short put it together like a puzzle. Mm. You know he put Jay on it. He had me uh, make the beat, the foundation of the beat, and then I believe Jermaine added some keys on top of it, and then he did the hook. Mm-hmm um but yeah that's that's one of the joints that and that, that's a sleeper joint a lot of people don't even know about exactly. that. that's what i'm saying that's
2: a good question because I, I interviewed diamond on in my show and i didn't think of that one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
1: right that's right yeah, what was
0: yeah. going through your mind when they got when you saw that gumbo get together and get on your track though
1: yeah yeah you know i i, I felt good yeah you know because you know um a lot of times look like if, if if you if you work with a producer and you, you know you pay for the track pay for his services mm-hmm. Doesn't you know the producer, you know how the producer left it, mm-hmm. uh, and also depends on how how tight of a grip the producer has over it. But mm-hmm. typically, if an artist purchases a track from you, and they want to add another element to it, they should reach out to you, but they don't have to, but mm-hmm. they should out of respect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, too short. He 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 did afford me that respect. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I was blindsided by yeah. It. You know what I mean, but um, that's definitely um, one one of the joints in my in my catalog that I'm proud of.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Talib, my big brother came home one day with a song called "The Blast," man, mm-hmm. and that's when I was introduced to the flavor. Can you break down that song right there and just the chemistry that you and High Tech had when y'all brought that one out and how that one hit?
2: Yeah, that was a good record for me. That was the first record that put me on the map. Um, uh definitely in the West Coast first. Um mm. on uh power is power ninety two point three at the time, I yeah. think. Uh Snoop Dogg had a show mm. and DJ Quick had a show. And 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 they used to play that record a lot. Um also with the with the uh Friday Night Flavors crew the beat junkies, J Rock, uh Babu, Mr. Chock, uh Redmatic, they had a show on Power one oh six at the time. Um so really and then Big Vaughn. On mm-hmm. um, power uh 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 yeah. in San Francisco. Those major markets really popped that record off. DJ Enough in um in New York. Um I want to say DJ Trauma yeah. down here in Atlanta at yeah. the time. Um, it was really those those underground hi- hi DJs who were in the mix mm-hmm. but still was on the radio. Yeah. That was a time at the, that, that we we don't have that anymore. <laughs> And for a large, a yep. large, to a large I degree, feel you. I um, feel you. But the record, the, the album was turned in, mm-hmm. and uh, this is one of those cases of the record label being correct because mm-hmm. the album was turned in, and I was like, "That's it, Reflection Eternal. It's a rap. It's a banger. Exactly. Let's, let's put it out. The singles, move something. Too late. Let's go." And they yeah. were like, "Nah, you you don't have a radio single," and I was like, "What are y'all talking about? I'm, y'all are just the evil devil <laughs> corporate overlords. <laughs> How do you tell me?" I'll have a single. And yeah. they were like, "Look, we'll pay for you to go and Electric Lady. Of course, it's being charged back to me, but pay for you to go and back at Electric Lady and just try to try to come up with another song. Yeah. that we can sell as a single." Mm-hmm. And I begrudgingly did it. So on that on the album, there's one verse by me and one verse by, by High-Tech, mm-hmm. cuz I didn't want to I was done with it. Yeah. I did one verse. I was like, that's all the energy I'm going to give this. Yeah. So High-Tech added another verse. And that's the only verse high Tech is rapping on. Yeah. And then Corey Smith, who was my manager at the time, you know that beat high Tech had it for a long time, but he heard the beat, he was like, it sounds like they sang saying yeah. He He's like, people always mispronounce your name. We should do a song teaching them how to pronounce your name over Ooh, this beat. Yeah. And so I was Ooh. like, okay, I got one verse for that. Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah. And we handed it into the label. Um, they loved it, and they asked that they said we're gonna put money and a marketing campaign behind this song. Mm-hmm. Can you record another verse for the video version and for the radio version so that the song is long enough? Yeah, Because it wasn't long and back then. Now, you know, I'm looking at little Baby thing and artists like this, they have like one minute, two minute songs. Now, <laughs> they, platinum? which I'm not mad at that. Yeah, Let's <laughs> less work more money for me. I like it. <laughs> one but long ba- verse. But back then, it was very specific. It was like, and the industry was so controlled. It was like, if your song was two minutes long, you can't play it on radio. And the song My is God. four minutes long, you can't play it on radio. It's got to be... Three minutes and thirty, 30 seconds.
1: seconds. And you gotta make that edit. <laughs> oh, you get that little three minute thirty second edit between three minutes and three thirty. Right. My
2: God, that's terrible for music. Exactly. It's terrible, but we lived. We lived through that, right? Yeah. And we and both me and Diamond, I'm sure, have created crafted singles with that in mind.
0: Exactly. You know Push through with Kendrick Lamar and Currency. How did that joint come about?
2: Oh man. Um. I used to live in L. A. Uh, my ex at the time, DJ A. Q. And Devi Dev uh radio personality had they had a show that they used to do out of my garage called the left effect my god in which they used to interview up-and-coming la artists. Mm -hmm. and so they interviewed a group called you and i you familiar Mm. with that group
0: i don't i'm not off the top of my head you
2: and i was an underground la you know hip-hop group Uh, they came out around the same time like the cool kids was popping around that era and um you and i thursday there were artists from you and i they they came through with a young k-dot Mm. Um, this was around the time that like his first mixtapes was first popping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget walking past the garage to smoke a joint and <laughs> hearing this verse yeah. coming out of the garage. And I poked my head and I'm like, who is that rapping? Yeah. I'm like, well, it's him. Yeah. And he's like, my name is Kendrick. You know what I'm saying? I represent this crew called Top Dog. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we 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 black hippie. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Me and Kendrick exchanged numbers. So when Kendrick would come to New York, he would always hit me up. Mm-hmm. And this was before he got his deal, he mm. would come to the studio, come and ch- uh, chop it up, and we recorded, Push through back then.
3: What? Um,
2: and then I was I was also hanging out with Currency a lot. Currency was working with Dame Dash at the time, so he was in New York. Yeah. Um, Currency came through and I played on a bunch of records. He wanted to get on a joint with Kendrick. And Kendrick wasn't the Kendrick we know today. Yeah. It was just a good verse. Yeah. Um, Then Kendrick, shortly after we did that, he signed with Aftermath. Mm. And I was there at the party. When they would drop the Dre and Snoop and the game and all them in LA he did a concert and everybody came on stage. Yeah. And the games almost started crying. It was it was beautiful for the West Coast. Yeah. Um and I was like, wow, I I didn't know. I was like, wow, okay, Kendrick's about to blow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me put this song in a stash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I put the song in a snap, the stash. And then um when he dropped um Hold Up, Drank. Mm-hmm. When he dropped that. See, I thought I didn't realize the high T was about to go. Yeah, I thought when he dropped that, that record was so big. Yeah. that I was like, "This is big," and so I dropped Push Through right after that came out. In hindsight, I would have waited like an album or two. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because his legacy went so far above that first exactly,
0: Paul Drake record. exactly. You know what I'm so it was
2: like same thing with Jay Electronica, mm-hmm. same thing with Jay Cole. I'm always too early on the artist. You oh know my what I'm god! Like, I'm always dropping a record with an artist. And three years later, he's what everybody talking about. Same thing with Kanye. Yeah, saying I'm just always in the mix. I'm I'm a little older now, so I don't know how much more years I gotta be in with my ear that close to the street. <laughs> right, but I did it for a couple years.
0: When y'all think about the industry and the artists that y'all have worked with and seen, what do you think, including y'all sales? What is it that make you all stars and the artists stars and make them rise above everybody else? What is it that is? What is that it that everybody speaks of? That's-
1: it's a connection it's a connection you have to make mm-hmm. you know with with with, with the fans mm-hmm. you know is it's, it's what you what you're spitting about you know your image um like i say it, it's just, it's basically just how you connect with the fans to me um the connection is there and you got the right machine behind you then you're going to blow mhm you know, but i think you, all the elements need to be all aligned just can't have one without the other you can't you can't be a dope artist and not have the push or the team behind you mm-hmm. you know what i mean so everything has to be working you um, working together and aligned
2: yeah i think you can't underestimate like diamond said that the, having a good team mm-hmm. um just being authentic being true to what you do mm-hmm. um uh, like i was saying earlier you know i've ex- i've experimented and done different things um but I was blessed to always have a fan base mm-hmm. that came to see what it is that I'm good at. Like no matter what I experimented with, the fans come to hear Goodbye, the fans yeah. come to hear "Gorilla Monsoon rap, the fans come to hear certain, certain, good to you, certain records, that has like endeared them to me. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't, man, I can't state enough how much that means something to me, yep. is that because of records like "Get By" and certain things I did, I can always go back and 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 talk to those fans. Mm-hmm.
0: Lastly, fellas, let's hit this album one more time. When is it dropping? Singles and what do we need to be looking out for? And how
3: can folks contact y'all? <laughs> well,
0: I'm very easy to get in touch with. You can't find me on Twitter anymore
2: because mm-hmm. uh, I'm not welcome there. You know. But <laughs>
0: are you serious? Yeah, but um,
2: I'm definitely welcome
0: on Instagram. And, Wait a um, minute. Uh, uh-huh. see, now you done stretched out <laughs> to interview some damn multi lip. <laughs> I mean, how did you find yourself getting blackballed from Twitter? Damn. <laughs> I'm, too, see, I'm too but, real, I'm too real behind too. But no, that's yeah. a conversation that needs to be had <laughs> because see you look up Lil Duval, we can't find him barely he, he done get, had two uh Instagram accounts He shut got down. suspended from
2: Instagram? Two times. What he be doing? He be saying nasty shit? What he be doing?
0: I don't know if it's nasty or if it's political or not. It just seems like, yeah, Lil Duval, Mm -hmm. he cracked some jokes. Some I mean, there's some funny stuff in there. But some of the stuff is political.
2: I mean, I'll tell you like this. I had a good run on Twitter. By the way, Twitter's over now that I'm not on it. if you're on twitter you just wasting your time because i ain't there yeah um i had a good i had a great time there yeah i enjoyed the the platform i wouldn't i don't i'm blessed i don't do anything i don't enjoy yeah most people have to do things they don't enjoy i don't have to do that exactly Um, so when you see me when you saw me on twitter um it was because i enjoyed being there Mm -hmm. but i would often get into heated discussions Mm -hmm that you could qualify some of them as debates, some of them as arguments, yeah. but heated discussions with people on a, a wide array of topics, mostly surrounding white supremacy mm. and racism and disparity okay. and a cold, mostly. Cult, mo- mostly. Yeah. Um, had an argument with a young lady who, somebody has said rappers don't marry black women. And then somebody else had listed a list of rappers that are married to black women. And I was included on that list. Yeah, um, And then this young lady said, well, all those women are light skinned, so that's another story. <laughs> So, you know I, I I I felt like she was referring to me and my brothers and our wives. Yeah. So I said something like, well, What do you mean? What what are you what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that these light skinned women are not black? And then I'm introducing a colorism yeah. conversation. Yeah. So for me, when I when I jumped into the conversation in that way, I was accused of being a colorist. Um, but those those accusations quick, quickly spiraled from the person who initiate the conversation quickly to like dissing the mother of my children, calling my children, you a side baby, trick baby. Oh. She changed the profile of my, her profile to my ch- uh, children's mother's profile. So we were arguing for a couple of weeks. Damn. But because we are in a climate where it's like we have to protect black women, yeah. people who didn't see the context of why we we're arguing, it's like, well, Talib Kweli with his big platform is arguing with this person who has no platform, this black woman, and he shouldn't be arguing with her. And that's a point i disagreed with mm. i feel like i could argue with anybody you know. What I'm saying? Right. But regardless of, of gender or race or whatever mm-hmm. but uh that's neither here or there i actually posted a screenshot because i was getting doxxed and people were calling my phone two three times a, 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 a hour death threats all this behind what this young lady was saying about me and so somebody had sent me a text message saying they were going to rape my daughter and assault my mother and so i posted that but in the screenshot i didn't cut off the phone number Oh, that came from. damn. Now, it was definitely a, a, a dummy number, like yeah. a, a burner phone. It yeah. wasn't somebody's real number. But Twitter is very clear about their policy. Yeah. You cannot post people's phone numbers. And so because I get complained about a lot because I'm always uh, combating white supremacy, yeah. Twitter was getting a lot of complaints about me. They just could never suspend me because I never broke the rules.
0: Exactly.
2: But they had this backlog of complaints. Yeah. So when I posted that phone number, well, this gives them a reason to suspend me. Yeah. And I will say this. And this is very important, I think, for people listening. I am perfectly okay with getting kicked off of Twitter. Yeah. It is their house. If you come in my house and I don't like what you got to say, I have the right. I reserve the right to kick you out. Twitter, they don't even owe me an explanation. I'm glad they gave me one. I don't agree with the explanation, but they didn't owe me that explanation. I read my terms of service.
3: Mm.
0: I'm
2: giving them the rights to my content. Mm. I'm giving them my time and energy voluntarily. So this is not a First Amendment issue. This is not a a freedom of speech issue. You have no freedom of speech on these platforms. I love Little Duval comedy i'm yeah. a fan yeah but he has no freedom of speech on instagram they have the right to kick him off for whatever reason exactly. and you don't have to agree mm. and it's not a government institution they don't have to let you exactly. this is not a right we're born with we have the right to social media yeah and, and what's happening the reason why i want to make that important point distinction is because while i am someone who got kicked off of twitter I, fine I'll just go where I'm welcome. Exactly. Why would I want to be someplace that I'm not welcome? Right. I create my own platform. I, you can find me on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have the money to pay for me on Patreon, you can find me on YouTube and IG until they kick me off of IG. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not the the right wing. And the racists and the Nazis and the white supremacists are weaponizing free speech and weaponizing First Amendment rights because what they're saying is they're saying that big tech mm-hmm. is censoring right-wing voices because you come on there and say some Nazi-ass nonsense, exactly. some white supremacist nonsense, and Twitter, Facebook, all these days will kick you off.
0: Exactly. And
2: so the right wing feels like they're being unfairly persecuted. No, y'all just illiterate, bro. <laughs> you just didn't read the terms of <laughs> terms of service that you agreed to. Exactly. If you don't agree with how they run their house, then why are you trying to be in that house? That's right. It's like the dude outside the club. Like it's like Trey Song said, you talking all that from outside the club.
3: Exactly.
0: You know what I'm saying? Like You
2: outside the club talking all this? Well, then why you want to be in this club?
0: My God. I feel that. I feel you know? that. Lastly, contact information, fellas. And then also that podcast, man. How do you feel having your own podcast to talk your shit?
2: Oh, I love it. Shout out to my Uprocks crew and the People's Party crew. And I'm I'm glad that I could be in this interview space. Yeah. You know, I really enjoyed this interview, brother. Man, thank and, you. And me mm. being good a good question. Yeah, great question. I
0: appreciate y'all coming through this thing, man. Me
2: me being now in a journalist space, I'm I'm humble. Yeah. Because I'm new in this space. Mm. And I look at Gil Noble from Like It Is. Yeah, you know i I look at I look at the great Larry King. Yeah, and I look at Combat Jack. Yeah, Combat. And I, I look now. I have a new level of respect for the interview process. And project. what they
0: did, what they were really doing, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Because when it comes to this content. We are also acting as historians and documentarians. Yes. These same interviews can be played 100 years from now mm-hmm. if they're taken care of right. and folks can learn these things. Because like you said, if you don't know your past, you can't predict your future and your president just fucked up any damn right. way yeah, you yeah, don't know yeah. what the hell you come from. So Definitely. being able to document this kind of information in these conversations. So when you say, hell, we've been having these same arguments about police brutality, mm-hmm since I started rapping and right. we still having it, then we can say, okay, so is this shit going to change or not? Or what? Right. how do we need to better attack this? Because right. this ain't, whatever we've been doing ain't working. Yeah, But then somebody else watching this and say, but that's how they felt in 2020. It's 2040.
1: Mm-hmm. Fuck this. It needs to stop. Right. B, it, did, did you grow up here in Atlanta or no? Yeah, I'm from the west side. Okay, let me tell you something. Um, this is how far back I go. Mm-hmm. When Dallas Austin first brought me down here, mm-hmm. the early 90s, maybe like '90 winter 92 yeah uh, he was working with uh, Monica she was over there he was working with joy mm. he's working with uh with, with, with uh with, with uh illegal yeah it was me eric sermon and buster Mm. and um da- dallas was clicking at that time yeah uh, he had uh, another bad creation but the thing is we went to this club on marietta mm. the phoenix yeah <laughs> well, when, I, when I tell people for that, they be like, "Yo, damn, you died." Because it, it later turned to the warehouse. Yeah, but it was the Phoenix first. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that's that's how far back I go to, you know, ATL hip hop.
0: My God. Yeah. Well, once again, context, because I just <laughs> yeah. keep on running my damn mouth in yeah.
1: there. How can they reach out? Yeah. Um, social media, Diamond D I T C. One word, Diamond D I T C.
2: Yeah, you can find me Tyler Quali. I'm I'm in the breeze like the blunts.
0: Already, man. Fellas, appreciate y'all coming through this thing. Wish y'all this. number the best and much success. Yes, sir. Be high ready, yo, shout it. I'm about to here. We go.